Section 28 of the History of Prostitution. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kadir Carter. The History of Prostitution by William Sanger. Section 28. Chapter 22. Sweden and Norway. Comparative morality. Illegitimacy. Profligacy in Stockholm. Infanticide. Foundling hospitals. Store barnhorts. Laws against prostitution. Toleration. Government brothels. Syphilis. Marriage in Norway. The ancient Scandinavian peninsula, land of the Skald and the Rune, with its Vikings and Vyskers, has sent down to us many a legend of war and conquest, but few of social manners or moral relations. The high esteem in which the ancient Germans held their women, and the affinity of laws and customs between the Norsemen and the Teutons, justify us in believing that the blue-eyed maids of the Scandinavian heroes were as much respected for virtue as beloved for beauty. The eternal virgins in the Walhalla of Western mythology were not associated with the grosser pleasures with which the impure fancy of the Koran invested the horrors of the Mohammedan paradise, and the Norsemen through their posterity, the Normans introduced, among the other amenities of chivalry, that prominent obligation of true knighthood, Devavudam, perhaps not the least humanizing incident of the institution. Passing by a long stride at once to modern times, we find in the joint kingdom of Sweden and Norway two territories as distinct in their social condition as they are in their geographical divisions. Norway has always been remarkable for a simple and hardy population of fishermen and small farmers elements in the highest degree favorable to virtue and independence, and their poverty and isolation from the continental interests of Europe have exempted them from politics and war. Sweden, on the other hand, though not much wealthier as a nation, has had an hereditary nobility, and the ambition and ability of some of her monarchs, especially of the great Gustavus, cause her to play a part in history wholly disproportionate to her territorial importance. If, however, the historical significance of Sweden be somewhat greater than that of the less pretentious sister kingdom, statistics do not accord to the former the same estimation in point of morals as they concede to the latter. The average of illegitimate births, though not infallible, is generally accepted as a fair test of the immorality of a people. Taken by this standard, Sweden ranks lower than almost any country of Europe. But if the character of the general population be indifferent, that of Stockholm, out Herod's Herod. In Stockholm, in 1838, there were 1,137 illegitimate to 1,577 legitimate. In 1839, there were 1,074 illegitimate 
to 1,492 legitimate births. The average of illegitimates to other births in the capital and throughout the country was as follows. 1835. In Stockholm, 1 in 2.44. In other towns, 1 in 6.18. In the country, 1 in 20.41. Throughout the kingdom, 1 in 15.20. 1838. In Stockholm, 1 in 2.47. In other towns, 1 in 6.18. In the country, 1 in 20.01. Throughout the kingdom, 1 in 14.69. 1839. In Stockholm, 1 in 2.38. In other towns, 1 in 6.40. In the country, 1 in 20.01. Throughout the kingdom, 1 in 14.94. As regards the average of the whole kingdom, the proportion is much the same as that of England and France. What, then, must be the condition of the towns, and in particular of the capital? The figures are such as to justify the allegation against Stockholm of being the most immoral capital in Europe, and also the presumption that the late decrease in its population from which it is but recently recovering is a direct consequence of the vice that stains it. With so large an amount of illegitimacy, it is not surprising that infanticide should be of common occurrence. The penalty of this crime is death, although from a growing aversion to capital punishment, it is generally commuted. There are numerous family hospitals throughout the kingdom of Sweden, one in particular, the Stora Barnharts in Stockholm, established by Gustavus Adolphus, originally intended for the children of military men of broken health and fortunes. It has been perverted from the simplicity of its original foundation and now receives children of all corners, who pay an entrance fee of about $35. No questions are asked on the presentation of an infant to the asylum, and accepting the fee, it is in no respect different from the ordinary foundling hospitals. This very fee, however, it is considered by some writers, makes all the difference, as it in some measure justifies those parents who, having adequate means, choose to release themselves of the care and expense of their offspring, and who use this payment as a solve to their consciences, considering that they have to that extent done their duty. The store Bonhorts is wealthy, having an income of above $150,000 per annum. In 1836, prostitution was forbidden by express enactment throughout all Sweden, and women who had not a legally recognized occupation were liable to imprisonment as disorderly characters. The prostitute, of course, came within the category. It was asserted at the time that there was no common prostitution, but a counterstatement was made by the jurist Angelot, who affirmed that every house of entertainment was a brothel and every servant a loose woman. 
This prohibitory system did not work so well as had been anticipated, and in 1837 a change was effected. A large hotel was taken by the corporation, and after the plan of various cities in the Middle Ages, was managed by public officers. Thus a government brothel was established. Nor did this lewdness by authority have the desired effect. The brothel was filled with women, but no customers appeared. Private brothels were resorted to for a time and were opened under regular licenses. They have now disappeared, and as the inefficient police management never succeeded in repressing illicit prostitution, even while tolerated brothels were in existence, it will surprise no one to learn that Stockholm is now one vast, seething hotbed of private harlotry. There are lock hospitals throughout Sweden, established by public funds and kept up by direct taxation as a charge upon the municipal rates the stockholm hospital for syphilis in 1832 received 701 patients of whom 148 were from the country and the remainder from the city the capital contained in that year 33581 persons of both sexes above the age of 15 consequently one person in every sixty-one was affected with syphilis. The superficial aspect of society in Sweden is certainly not such as here described. The upper classes are cultivated, polite, and observant of all the usual refinements of modern society, while, to the humbler classes, excepting that intercourse is free and unrestrained among them, there is no ground for attributing any unusual departure from modesty and propriety. Neither are the laws remarkably stringent. Although difficulties are thrown in the way of affiliation, they are the same in principle as those which have been adopted by the modern statute law of England. Still, that there is such an excess of immorality cannot be doubted the official statistics of the country prove it were any possible doubt thrown upon the statements of the many travellers of the highest repute for correctness and reliability who have noticed it the latest publication upon the matter is from bayard taylor who writing from stockholm under date may first eighteen fifty seven says I must not close this letter without saying a word about its Stockholm's morals. It has been called the most licentious city in Europe, and I have no doubt with the most perfect justice. Vienna may surpass it in the amount of conjugal infidelity, but certainly not in general incontinence. Very nearly half the registered births are illegitimate, to say nothing of the illegitimate children born in wedlock of the servant-girls shop-girls and seamstresses in the city it is very safe to say that scarcely one out of a hundred is chaste while as rakish young swedes have coolly informed me a large proportion of girls of respectable parentage are no better the men of course are much worse than the women and even in paris one sees fewer physical signs of excessive debauchery here the number of broken-down young men and blear-eyed hoary sinners is astonishing i have never been in any place where licentiousness was so open and avowed and yet where the slang of a sham morality was so prevalent there are no houses of prostitution in stockholm and the city would be scandalized at the idea of allowing such a thing 
a few years ago two were established and the fact was no sooner known than a virtuous mob arose and violently pulled them down at the restaurants young blades ordered their dinners of the female waiters with an arm around their waist while the old men placed their hands unblushingly upon their bosoms all the baths in stockholm are attended by women generally middle-aged and hideous i must confess who perform the usual scrubbing and shampooing with the greatest nonchalance one does not wonder when he is told of young men who have passed safely through the ordeals of berlin and paris and have come at last to stockholm to be ruined which is best a city like stockholm where prostitution is prohibited or new york where it is tacitly allowed or hamburg where it is legalized we have spoken of the difference between sweden and norway and their moral relations at first this is not apparent for illegitimacy is as frequent in one as the other but there are attendant qualifying circumstances which go to constitute a material variation in the conclusion to be drawn from the unexplained fact we may remark that street-walking and open prostitution are rare illegitimacy is of considerable extent averaging one in five or in some parts one in three of the total births the people are betrothed by the practice of the lutheran church a long time before the actual marriage this is considered as nothing more than a wholesome check upon hasty unions in a general point of view in norway however this probationary period is extended to a limit beyond the endurance of flesh and blood the wedding is a prodigious merry-making and it is absolutely indispensable that the means for an extravagant hospitality should have been accumulated before the parties dare attempt the public ceremony the profusion is so great as sometimes to dissipate a whole year's earnings the obligation to this expense increases the delay required by the church and it frequently happens that the affiance cohabit before the nuptial benediction is pronounced as the betrothal is a half-marriage the arrangement loses part of its offensive character in the eyes of the parties themselves and also of their neighbours the children are legitimized by the subsequent marriage which takes place in by far the largest number of cases in those occasional instances where the wedding ceremony is not duly completed there is a particular legal act by which a child can be acknowledged failure of marriage under such circumstances or failure of natural duty to offspring is against the sentiment of the people while these facts do not alter the actual concubinage or legitimacy it is easy to understand that a considerable difference exists between such conduct however reprehensible and those habits which may be fairly characterized as licentiousness or profligacy. Norway is very far from being free of syphilis. Bayard Taylor says, Bergen is, as I am informed, terribly scourged by venereal diseases. Certainly I do not remember a place where there are so few men, tall, strong, and well-made as the people generally are, without some visible mark of disease or deformity. A physician of the city has recently endeavoured to cure syphilis in its secondary stage by means of inoculation, having first tried the experiment upon himself, and there is now a hospital where this form of treatment is practised upon two or three hundred patients, with the greatest success, 
another physician informed me. I intended to have visited it, but the sight of a few cases around the door so sickened me that I had no courage to undertake the task. We have no means of ascertaining whether the malady exists with the same virulence in the interior as on the coast. The habits of the people would seem adverse to the supposition that it does. End of section 28